देर आए दुरुस्त आए दैट्स द बस इज इंडियाज मोस्ट वैल्यूड कंग्लोमरेट रिलायंस इंडस्ट्रीज गिफ्ट इज शेयर होल्डर्स वन शेयर ऑफ अ न्यू बिजनेस जियो फाइनेंशियल सर्विसेज इट इज द फर्स्ट नॉन ऑयल एंड गैस इक्विटी ऑफरिंग फ्रॉम द ग्रुप सिंस टू थाउजेंड फाइव फोर एंटिटीज एज द फैमिली स्प्लिट द एसेट्स Reliance Industries as a stock has swelled a whopping 1600% since that point as businesses expanded verticals exploded and geo changed the game data proving to be the new oil with the stock near record highs the expectation from the finance for air also high with licenses locked up data in store customers captured through verticals the checklist is all but done and yet one knows very little about what is geo financial and what is mukesh ambani's lending ambition 8 years after getting a payments bank license big tie ups why is the finance foray which is being headed by none other than kv kamath so eerily quiet is the delay deliberate and is this the quiet before the storm can they dial up a geo playbook or will finance be a different devil with a tougher regulator and more formidable opponents It's July 20th from the Economic Times. I'm your host Anupriya Nair and with me ET's Arjit Barman and Pratik Bhakta as we take you through Mukesh Ambani's lending ambition on the morning brief. So let's kick start this with Arjit Barman on the other side of it Arjit who has been tracking Reliance for many 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 years through all of its avatars unified demerged now another demerger arjit it was november last year we had hosted the episode on the morning brief talking about the much awaited geo financial services and here we are you know 6 8 months down the line having yet another episode nothing much has moved on what is geo financial but a lot has moved on the street but for the newcomers uh, lending and finance isn't a new or a recent move from the reliance group at all Anupriya, it's um, great to be back, and you're absolutely right. This is not something that is new. For the longest time, thanks to a family settlement or an agreement, Mukesh Ambani could not get into financial services just the way he couldn't get into telecom. But once that got out of the way, he did immediately almost made a foray into financial services. a bit since spurts first was a jv with d shaw marky name from the us and that was to do everything from lending to broking insurance d shaw also had a hedge fund business to get into capital markets that didn't go anywhere then there was a long pause a lot of planning to add the financial layer to retail whatsapp you know when facebook invested in reliance the whole idea was to use the whatsapp payments to reach out to merchants on the or kiranas on the reliance retail platform through the whatsapp payment you know module that also didn't go anywhere there was a joint venture before that for payments bank with sbi there were plans reliance tried to do seek certain permissions from rbi to open some bank account of their own group or employees current accounts but that was not granted the payments bank joint venture didn't go anywhere 
Then there were a lot of speculation that, you know, RBI would allow corporates to get into banking, full-fledged banking. Again, a red herring. Again, the RBI said, no, nothing doing. Again, a long break. But now, since last October, there is a, the clear, what should I say, a roadmap which has evolved, a clear strategy. And with the appointment of KV Kamath, and after that, at least the senior leadership team, we can see a beginning has indeed been made. But the beginning has been a long time coming, as you're saying, Arjit, right? I mean, they're one of the first to get into the payment space. I mean, it's been over eight years since they've had that license. The NBFC license has been in place. KVK at the, at the helm of it obviously made everyone believe that there, there would be more announcements and quick announcements. It is almost been eerily quiet up till this point of the demerger. Yes, you're right. I mean, a lot of excitement. I mean, I was actually quite stunned to see the kind of valuations that some brokerages are ascribing to this new entity, which is getting born as people are listening to this from anywhere from one lakh crore to one and a half lakh crores, which is 12 to 16 billion dollars, 5 to 10% of Reliance's consolidated market cap. I mean, yes, Reliance loves or aspires to do things which are big, but not everything has been successful or smooth. So therefore, a lot of it still is on paper. It still is the big idea. But, you know, there is a lot of talk, a lot of chatter, but I am yet to see execution on the ground. We have actually seen very little small attempts. I mean, you can go to a Reliance Geo, a digital store, and buy any phone using some consumer lending, which has been offered by Geo Finance for the last one year. But that doesn't really move the needle. Now, this is where the risky part starts. The moment you demerge, the moment you list, you're on the treadmill. You'll be judged quarter on quarter. That's the question I think many have. And you talked about valuations in the market, describing valuation. I think a large part of the valuation is some of the brokerages, analysts such as Suresh Ganapati on the Macquarie side, Jalirani's from Muama as well, you know, veterans of between the banking and the oil and gas space are all ascribing it based on what this new entity actually holds in the parent company, which is Reliance Industries. 6% yes. of Reliance Industries will sit with JFSL, which is where the valuation right now is getting drowned down. But I think the basic question... Arjit, that everyone has, telecom, everybody knows what they're doing. It's in your face, it's in your homes, it's in your router, it's on the phone call, it's everywhere, it's on your TV, right? What is geofinancial? See, they gave an outline in last October when they first talked publicly about GFS, geofinancial services. Subsequently, in on quarterly results, they have said they aspire to be an universal or a financial service provider, which is you know, we, they will offer everything. That's the grand plan. But clearly, the first thing that will go off the gates is, to my mind, consumer lending, unsecured consumer, unsecured lending on the consumer side, using the network effect, and merchant lending. We have some idea that the plan is to, you know, the joint venture that exists with SBI, the JFS will actually buy 
SBI out of the joint venture and that that JV entity will get subsumed into this new entity, which is called JFS. But merchant lending and consumer lending are the first two pillars. And then subsequently, baby steps into the non-lending space. Again, insurance, heavily penetrated, a lot of players, long tail, AMC, you know, again, it's a space where banks dominate. The top five AMC are called bank-led and they have the distribution advantage. So I do believe, you know, it's everyone's guessing that there will be some joint ventures or acquisitions in that area, in the non-lending space, because mm. unlike RBI, a SEBI or an IRDA is more lenient vis-a-vis inorganic consolidation. RBI won't mm. allow you to buy a bank. RBI most likely will not allow RIL corporate to buy also an NBFC because NBFCs also now are under a lot of scrutiny. So yes, there will be definitely some advantages that Reliance will have from day one, which is, of course, to start off, as I said, they will have a tremendous amount of funding advantage. And once you sort out the funding aspect to a great extent, you can be a very formidable player on the asset side of the balance sheet. They're also coming in with a silver spoon in their mouth with a AAA rating parent, which I assume and from the conversation we've had, understand, gets carried down to the NBFC as their rating as well because the parent is rated a AAA, which means their cost of funding compared to a lot of other NBFCs. I think there are about only four or five NBFCs, including they will become the fifth AAA rated NBFC. So their cost of funding is, is significantly lower at this point. Arjit, One has to wonder that there's a lot of noise around the NBFC space right now. Ambani's alone are not the only one looking at that space. Paramil's, it's all in the family, one would argue, also jumped in with DHFL's by Magma, Fincop, Poonawala's, Godridge's have their uh, going as well. So there's a lot of excitement. And now from what we understand, Bajaj as well, its auto arm is looking at a finance uh, venture as well. So there is a sudden rush of corporate houses into this space. So PTM is not going to be the only competition or credit is not going to be the only competition or Bajaj Finance even is not going to be the only competition Ambani faces. No, and I will say this, that most corporates have actually failed in this treacherous path because financial services is not an easy nut to crack. A, it's regulated. B, RBI and the ecosystem has changed. There is a lot more open architecture. UPI is ubiquitous and interoperable. So therefore, the road is not easy. Other than a Chola, a Bajaj, Sriram, either you become a very niche player like Sriram, you know, you are the master of used CV financing. Very niche, right? Or like a Chola or Bajaj, niche in consumer. Very few have actually managed to crack it. M&M, LNT, for most of them, the problem has been that financial services has been a secondary business. They have been there largely to serve the needs of the core company or the core vertical. And that is where a lot of transactions got done which otherwise wouldn't have made commercial sense if you were a standalone player. So yes, there is a lot of chatter because A, there is a space, the credit cycle is still benign, 
Banks, NBFCs have been growing at 20-25%. It's a natural proxy for the India growth story. So it's obvious that most people, and certainly like Reliance, which is into telecom, into retail, into other consumer-facing businesses, would want to add another layer, which is financial services. We said that they obviously want to mine that data. And this is a big cohort that they own. I mean, on last count, 440 million telecom subscribers who are waiting to leapfrog onto their 5G offerings. Another 250 million feature phone users for whom they've just started the new 999 Geo Bharat phone. 230 million retail customer who have made a billion transaction on their sprawling shopping platform, buying everything from grocery to medicine to fashion. So there's a lot of proprietary data which is available with them. But mind you, unlike China, the moment you borrow, the data is belongs to everyone. It's accessible via the credit bureau to others. So therefore, it is all depends on execution. The moat, especially in credit, is not a very sticky one. Credit has always been very, very transactional. Unlike a bank account, Unlike mobile phone, there is no inertia for you to switch. Whoever gives you a better rate and hassle-free experience has better distribution, you switch. And Geo has to be cognizant of that. Reliance may have been unduly patient with their foray into finance, but the digital lending space has been anything but patient. With the deluge of fintech lenders, products and rush for licenses, the battleground for Reliance is well stacked with a few OGs like Bajaj Finance and even nimble newbies. Let's rope in my colleague Pratik Bhakta who has been covering the fintech landscape very closely for nearly a decade now. Pratik, welcome. Glad to have you on your debut here on The Morning Brief. Thank you Anipriya. Pleasure is mine. Pratik, let's start with what does the market really look like right now and the reason why there is such a fintech FOMO almost. I would say it's it's an exciting market to be in. Obviously, a lot of the credit business is going digital. But at the same time, the fintech lending sector, while it started with a lot of promise, it has gone through its own ups and downs. And uh, I would say this sector is itself in a kind of a flux. Two things that come right on top are things that, you know, the digital lending guidelines, which came out somewhere around September 2022, that had a major impact on the sector. And very recently, uh, in somewhere around June uh, this year, the FLDG norms were released by the RBI. So FLDG would be the first loss default guarantee. So these two regulatory actions have had a a deep impact on the sector itself. So while obviously there has been innovation, there has been a lot of startups raising venture money, but at the core of it, it's a very hardcore business on money. So the regulator is taking a very close look at this sector, which has also impacted the startups in this space. They are also reorienting themselves. So they are also figuring out how to strictly abide by regulatory norms and be on the right side of the law and still carry on with the business. At the same time, we've also seen the large fintechs, be it the likes of Cred, Bharat Pay, Jupiter. These guys have applied for their own NBFC licenses. So they want to do their own lending from their own balance sheet. That is actually a point I want to bring up. I read the piece that you did with Tarush on this about how there's a sudden rush for NBFC. Reliance now already has an NBFC license in place. They also had a tie-up with SBI, which obviously went nowhere because they've been sitting on the sidelines for most of their businesses up to this point. But this sudden rush for NBFC licenses for the likes of Cred, the likes of Bharat Pay, as you're saying, 
one card, as you're saying, as sources have been telling you, is also looking at going in for an NBFC license as well. What is driving this rush towards lending? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a trend that's picking steam with every day, every passing day. And uh, why? First thing, because everyone wants to be on the right side of the law now. Again, going back to the digital lending guidelines, the RBI made it quite clear that, you know, if you are in lending, it's better that you're regulated. If you're not regulated, just be a marketplace. Don't try to play a game where you're lending from your own equity without a license. You're doing some bit of, you know, almost you're taking over an NBFC, 100% FLDG kind of an arrangement you're doing. Don't do all those things. So the larger fintechs who have the money power, they said that, okay, to be on the right side of the law, let's go for a full-fledged NBFC license. That's why that shift is happening. But at the same time, you also have to understand that as an NBFC, your cost of capital is still somewhat lower. The moment you have your own lending license, you have equity money. Then you go to the market and with your kind of you know credibility, the founder can go to the market, reach out to the lenders, seek for debt. And then that comes at a better rate compared to the position when you are not an NBFC, you're doing some kind of an arrangement, a little bit of gray, I would say. So these two major factors, one is obviously to be on the right side of the law. And second is to ensure that the cost of capital is also kind of controlled. That's why I would say that there's this flurry towards this NBFC license. Will it be safe to say that when a player like Geo steps into the market, the avenue they will start to play with or come into the market because they might be on the sidelines now, but it's not their playbook to be on the sidelines for long once they're in a market uh, <laughs> yeah. aggressively. So NBFC would be the route. And if so, in that sense, their competition then widens to not just existing players such as Bajaj Finance or Sundaram. You're saying even the smaller guys will be sort of grasping at the group levels for this digital lending as well. True, but we can also see collaboration. So I would like to say that the market is huge. The fact that there was an SBI didn't mean that a Kotak couldn't come up. There was an HDFC, ICIC. Still, there was a space for a Kotak or a new age lender to come up. Same for fintechs also. And I'm sure if Geo comes up in a very big way with its own financial services play, there is no reason why a fintech cannot partner with them. Obviously, Geo will eat into their pie. Fintechs are also, you know, they're very small. So they'll still continue to exist on the sidelines. But yes, uh, if you're saying that if there's a competition between the cream of the customer base, then obviously there is very strong competition coming from the existing lenders as well. The HDFCs of the world are pretty well digitized. They are not, right. you know, they, they are as comparable to the user experience of a credit customer. Maybe not that great, but they are getting there. So Geo will have to mm. also, you know, kind of play all those games. So we will see how it works out. But as of now, I would say that there is obviously that, that opportunity of partnerships, to which I'm sure a lot of fintechs will be open towards. If partnerships versus acquisitions is more the um, Ambani playbook right now, what they've done in luxury. <laughs> so I'm not... I'll, I'll, uh, no, I'll, in fact, there's, a, there's an interesting point there. See, in lending, what do you acquire for? You know, why would you acquire a lender? You would acquire the lenders for its lending platform. Today, lending platform is mm -hmm. not difficult to build. You can build it in-house. Would you yeah. acquire for its extremely premium customers versus great customers? Everyone is fighting for the same customer base. Yeah, we all know that. So even if you mm. look at it over all these years, there has not been so much merger and acquisition M&A activity happening in the fintech lending space. Because typically, if it's a big enough fintech, acquiring it for what value? There are a lot of questions. Can you build it in-house? Maybe yes. So maybe if Geo doesn't follow the same playbook, I will not be very surprised. Maybe they can have a different playbook here. Mm. But yes, I agree with you. 
Jio has done it in the past. So maybe they will do this this time as well. I want to talk about this elusive customer base. In your research, in your conversations with various fintechs, is the customer base shifting? Is it becoming younger? Is it becoming smaller ticket? What is the customer base or the product offering at this point looking like in the fintech market that is sort of the hot product or, or the hot audience at this point? I would say, uh, if, if you ask me this question last year, it was buy now, pay later. That was the hot product at that point in time. But uh, even now, I would say it's consumer lending. As you would have seen that the RBI data also shows that personal loans for the first time, even in size, it's become bigger than corporate loans. Every NBFC, every bank wants to touch retail now and make retail their cornerstone. So yes, I think you know younger consumers are more open to taking credit. Credit cards are being you know lapped up by young consumers a lot more than it used to be even a couple of years back. So I would say this, yes, consumer lending, even some form of buy now, pay later still now, I think it makes a lot of sense. And eventually credit cards. And of, of course, personal loans as well. But yeah, you know, more so for the younger audience, it will be like a consumer, consumer durable loans, checkout finance. These are the, the most emerging spaces and it will be the most attractive space for any new business to come in. And it's easy to crack into right. this space also. Yeah, and easier for Reliance as well, given the fact that they already have a tremendous amount Absolutely. of data touch points with customers across the board through their retail arms. We've also picked up some buzz here and there that they've done some bit of pilots in consumer lending and stuff like that. But if I look at it from Reliance's point of view, I think the easiest bet for them would be in the B2B space. Reliance works very close as a wholesaler, right? And they have a massive network of retailers. Why not? Uh, and you know, that is a space that needs credit every time. I don't know. Again, this is from very personal understanding. I would believe that uh, sure. B2B lending is something that Reliance can surely look at. What is the B2B fintech lending landscape like right now? Is there uh, enough of those players or is it yeah. very, very nascent and not as attractive right now or, or not headline attractive enough? <laughs> not headline attractive. It's it's uh, We are to be blamed for uh, not looking at the B2B space that minutely as much as we are interested in the consumer space. And same applies to founders also. Founders find it easier uh, to get into the consumer lending space and that has attracted a lot of venture money also. But B2B, yes, it is less disrupted. It is more traditional. The size is bigger. So, you know, an early stage startup might find it very difficult to kind of scale up very fast. There are interesting B2B buy now, pay later players who operate in the online B2B e-commerce space, like with the in partnership with the Flipkart Wholesale or a Jumbo Tail and uh, Metro Cash and Carry, stuff like that. That space is up for disruption, I'm telling you. And Reliance is very deeply entrenched in that sector already. They can work wonders there, I believe personally. I don't know what they're up to. I don't have inside information on that, but... <laughs> but that's the, that's, the whole, that's the whole thing in this podcast as well. Our biggest struggle has been to get enough views. You hear the warning brief, you want to get as many views, as many sides of the story. But And that's the last point I want to come up and ask you, Pratik. Is there conversations within the fintech space about... Geo at this point or is it a let the sleeping giant lie uh, and nobody wants to jinx the fact that it's not been a disruptor? <laughs> what is the mood and moat like amongst mm. the fintech industry right now? As I said, like moat is just relationships that they have with their banks, that they have with their lenders. They're hoping that those relationships will continue to operate strong. In terms of buzz, 
it's it's there. I won't say it's not. In fact, I was just talking to someone a couple of days back when all this geofinancial service news was breaking out and and he said that uh, they have a massive network, man. And you know, that was what this founder told me. It's something to be to be scared of. But the thing is, we have enough on our plate already and uh, let's strengthen our business very well and we cannot stop a reliance from coming in. So there's no point in being scared. We continue doing our stuff and then we will see what kind of challenges we face and how we can deal with those challenges. But as of now, I think the priority is to ensure that, you know, the business gets back on track. Post-COVID, the numbers are starting to look better. So get as much market as possible, get as many sticky, sticky customers as possible, get your brand out there as much as possible. So tomorrow, if a Reliance comes and kind of steamrolls them, they can at least have a, have a defensive structure. That tomorrow is what the market and everyone is waiting or not waiting for at this point, Pratik. Last word, have you ever yeah. seen something like this where someone's had a license, multiple licenses for years and just sat on the sidelines? <laughs> is this, uh, I, I mean, has I, this in, in your experience of reporting, have you ever seen someone, I mean, people have given licenses back. Equitas gave their license back. That happens. People go in for MA, people get out of the business. What do you fathom? They've had these licenses for years. What is your reading of the fact that they're still on the sidelines? I think they had their own priorities in place. They knew which one to attack first and which one to keep for the next day. Conglomerates keep licenses. If in my very limited, I'm not a corporate reporter, and in my limited understanding, what I realize is companies, if there is a license available, keep it. And that's what a lot of startups also do. And these days, who've become unicorn or who have enough money, keep a license. You never know when it comes in use. And I think uh, it's absolutely fine if you have a if you get an opportunity, get the license. And especially in a in you know something which is not very easily available. While NBFC licenses at one point in time were given out like just were distributed, but now RBI has become extremely careful about giving out licenses. So see that way, there is one thing less to worry about. So Reliance has kept all these licenses. Its payment bank bet didn't work out. I remember in my early days of reporting when I was covering that uh, space very, very actively and I was very hopeful that the entire market was waiting. Okay, what will happen with Reliance coming in with its payments bank? It will disrupt the banking space altogether. But then somewhere they lost interest or whatever, the entire payment bank uh, promise uh, went for a toss. Even when uh, the Facebook Reliance deal happened, there was a lot of excitement in the market and we covered it extensively, how it could have an impact through WhatsApp. Small retailers will right. take orders online, pay through Reliance, the but Geo that's app. that's not translated either. Nothing has yeah. translated yeah. yet, yes. So so I would say yes, but they've kept all those licenses, they've kept those partnerships going, but we've not seen being executed as well. But see, uh, you know, this time if they have different plans... Well, as the saying goes, but that's what the fintech market is right now worried about. So it's yeah. a wait and watch and I'm sure we'll hear more from you. Thank you so much for joining us here Thank you. on The Browing Brief. Absolute pleasure. Last year in August, when a 65-year-old Mukesh Ambani detailed succession plan, there was no mention of the financial arm. A few months later, the demerger was placed before shareholders, which reignited the excitement for a foray that has been dormant while telecom, retail and even sports soared. Though many expect Ambani to make a wave in the financial space, there are those who argue aggressive pricing and unbridled freebies only work to a point in the credit corner. One would also argue that the lending landscape is very different than telecom, where Geo faced faltering and tripled opponents buried under fees and spectrum charges and only one worthy adversary in Airtel. But in lending, the tail is long and the banks remain the dominant force. So even as on day one, Geo Financial Services 
which will have a worthy net worth and a vast existing consumer base from its retail and telecom businesses, credit may not be a cakewalk. You've been listening to Geofinancial Services. With that, it's a wrap of this episode of The Morning Brief. You've been listening to me, your host, Anupriya Nair, with Arajit Barman, as well as Pratik Bhakt from The Economic Times. A shout out to the team that helped put this together. Producer Suroni Jain on sound, Indreel Bhattacharji, and executive producers, myself, Arajit, and Anirban. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and you can catch it on the podcast platform of your choice. Watch out for on Friday, my colleague Kalpana brings to you why there's fear and objections to the new forest bill. Stay tuned for that. From all of us here, thank you for listening in.